1: Hello SB Nation and welcome to your SB Nation World Series preview presented by T-Mobile. I'm your host John Stolness from the Phillies website The Good Fight. Phillies of course nowhere near the playoffs and yet I'm here to talk to you ahead of the fall classic coming up this week. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness, but I've got one guy on the program who's very, very happy to get this fall classic underway. Chris Willis is joining us from Talking Chop. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Willis. We're going to be breaking this thing down. And also, Ashley McLennan at 90 Feet From Home is the Twitter handle there. She writes for D-Rays Bay, Bleed Cubbies Blue, and Bless You Boys. Chris, Ashley, how's it going? Doing good. Uh, John, how are you? doing Chris I imagine you're doing better than I am. I imagine you're
0: doing better than Ashley and me, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I've been, I've overcome my sadness from the uh the ALDS and I'm kind of just accepting life as it is after mm-hmm. the rays lost there. Yeah. But Chris has got to be on cloud nine. Well, so yeah, much of
1: life is acceptance, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been a heck of a ride. Um,
2: that's for sure. And, uh, I wasn't sure I'd be sitting back in this uh, for this podcast. <laughs> you know, when we did this week so ago.
1: Well, if you guys will remember, at the beginning when we did our previews, this is the World Series pick. I mean, Ashley, you didn't hear me make my NL pick, but I picked the Braves, as Chris, I'm sure, will remember, because I'm sure he was shocked as a Phillies fan <laughs> that I would pick the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series. I mean, to go to the World Series, and that I picked the Houston Astros to win because I, it felt like. It felt like, as a as a Philly sports fan, the confluence of events to make me saddest would come true, and I'm not. You know, I I do love this Atlanta Braves team. As as a baseball fan, because I think it's actually a a really fun team and it's a team full of winners. And that's one of the reasons why I had problems with them all year, because they did figure out a way to pull out of uh, kind of the malaise that they were in. And as far as uh, the Astros go, I think most of the country sees them as villains. And uh, we're going to talk about that coming up here in just a minute. We'll run down the schedule. We'll talk about how both teams got here. Uh, We'll talk about who has the edge and we'll make some predictions here uh at the end of the podcast but um some really it's a really fascinating matchup between these two teams tyler Kepner of the new york times noted this fun fact the 2021 world series is the first ever to feature teams that lost in the league championship series the previous season so both these teams came up one step short last year and both teams took the next step forward um I think uh, this is a really interesting battle between two teams that both used to be in the National League. Uh, This is the sixth time, actually, that the Braves and the Astros are meeting in the postseason. But it's their first time meeting in the playoffs since Houston moved to the AL in 2013. Uh, The Braves eliminated the Astros in 97, 99 and 2001. Uh, it wasn't until the 4 NLDS where the Astros eliminated the Braves in five games. And then there was that, of course, 2005 NLDS that was epic. That game four that went, uh, what was it, 18, 18 innings? innings. Yeah. yeah. And Chris Burke hit the dramatic home run. So um, let's just start off here. Chris, I just want to get your your initial thoughts. Your Atlanta Braves are playing in the fall classic for the first time since 1999. The first time this century.
2: Ooh. Yeah, it's it's pretty surreal. Um, You know, (laughs) I I can't say that any of us really expected this, uh, especially, I mean, uh, middle of, you know, middle of July, Ronald Cunha goes down with a season ending injury. And, um, you know, we were talking about whether they needed to sell or not. You know, obviously they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just another it's just another example of that it's not necessarily the best roster that it wins at baseball. It's the team that's playing the best baseball at the end of the season. And and the Braves are in that conversation. Uh, Mm. They've been really good since the middle of August on, uh, made some um, great moves at the trade deadline, picked up a lot of key players there, completely remade their outfield. And, Mm. you know, uh, they've played really well in the postseason. They've done what they needed to do. They've got, I would say, you know, when you look at it overall, I'd say their starting pitching has uh, has for the most part carried them and their bullpens done the job as well. And mix in a little bit of timely hitting. And here we are.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we do find, Ashley, that in, in these playoff series, the teams that pile up all the wins during the regular season doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily equate to uh, uh, playoff success. Ask Billy Bean, you know, I mean, how many times has he had tremendous regular wow. seasons and fallen short in the postseason? We, we say it all the time. The postseason really is a crapshoot.
0: Yeah, and I I know we talked about the AL preview. I I said that the postseason is such a huge kind of luck of the draw. Like, it Mm -hmm. really is. You look at that Houston Astros-Boston Red Sox series. The Red Sox hit three grand slams in two days. (laughs) They scored 25 (laughs) runs over those first two games, and they looked like an absolutely unstoppable force. They had Mm -hmm. just taken down the Rays, who were really the strongest team in all of the American League. And they just obliterated them in the ALDS, much to my chagrin. And then yeah. they went up against the Astros and it was just it, those first two games really looked like the Astros were done for. And it, it, it just turned around like they figured themselves out. And I think that's a real testament to the Astros ability to kind of balance themselves out in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a really strong team going through the entirety of the 2021 season, really like in, in a fairly decent, um, AL West
1: yeah
0: um, they were fairly competitive I mean it was kind of down to the wire the Mariners had a pretty good run there towards the end um, and then the A's had a strong kind of middle of the season but the Astros really I don't think we're in much doubt of their ability to kind of finish out the year strong they've had that strong core that has remained the same since you know 2016 2017
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and, and I think that they've really proven why they deserve to be here because they've made those adjustments and they were able to kind of balance things out. I think it's going to be really interesting to see them go up against the Braves, though, because the Braves were a team where it was a very uncertain year for them. They were sub yeah. 500 for the first half of the season. Acuna Jr. went down. Obviously, that was a real bummer for not just Braves fans, but anybody who likes young, talented players because he was right. having such a good year. I think he still ended up in top three war for the entire team, even though he only played half the year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's
1: exactly right. Yeah, he mm-hmm.
0: was having just a tremendous season. But I I think it's really going to come down to the Astros are one of the best offensive teams in baseball, bar none. Mm -hmm. And the Braves are one of the best pitching teams this postseason. So they bested the Dodgers and the Dodgers were a team that went out and spent on pitching and uh, won 106 games in the regular season or whatever it was, 103, 106, something ludicrous like that. (laughs) And and I think that shows that, I mean, they went out and picked up Charlie Morton at the beginning of the year when the Rays didn't mm-hmm. want to pay the, you know, 15 million or whatever it was. And, you know, it's, I think it's really going to come down to pitching versus hitting for these guys.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Houston uh, figured it out in those last three games. Momentum is only as good as the next day starter. And Houston proved that in those last three games of the series, especially the last two with Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia, just dominating the Red Sox in those games. I want to lay out the schedule for every for this week uh, so the world series will start on tuesday night in houston games one and two will be in houston atlanta hosts games three four and five on friday saturday sunday and then uh, of course game five is if needed on sunday halloween night and game six and seven if needed in houston uh, on tuesday and wednesday of next week we've talked about you talking about the Astros just a second there ashley and you know they were kind of a silent assassins the whole season no one was talking about the Astros. Nobody, I mean the White Sox were the were the fun team with all of the flashy stars. And you know, you had the, the AL East battle going on all year, though the Yankees were up and then the Yankees were down. And the Red Sox were up and the Red Sox. And the Rays just plodding along, uh, but doing their small market thing where they where they win over 90 games. And no one was talking about the Astros all season long, mostly because I don't think people want to talk about the Astros for the most part. But Dusty Baker comes in seems to settle everything down and does what he does. You know, Dusty Baker has is, is a winning manager, always has been. But amazingly, this is his first ever. Uh, this is He has a chance to win his first ever World Series. Of course, he got there with the Giants uh, back in 2002 when he lost to the Angels with Barry Bonds. But he's the first manager in big league history to lead five different teams to division titles. He's the ninth manager to win both an AL and an NL pennant. From from 2003 to 2017, Baker managed teams lost 10 straight postseason closeout games where they had an opportunity to move to the next round of the playoffs, which is just a crazy number. uh, he's back in the World Series for the first time since the Giants lost to the Angels. That's the longest span between World Series appearances since Bucky Harris was a player manager for the Washington Senators in 1925 and then the manager for the Yankees in 1947. He has managed over 3,700 regular season baseball games. So my question to you, Chris, let me start off with you on this one. Does he need to win the World Series to get into the Hall of Fame? Um,
2: I think so. I think that's the one piece that's missing from his resume. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I think he is the, um, he is the kind of the story here for the Astros too, is the, just the way he kind of came in at a tough, a tough time and, and, you know, went to war with those guys, took up for them and, and solidified them. Um, you know, I think he's had a Hall of Fame career, but I think he does need that World Series, um, win to just completely. Uh, validate uh, him as a Hall of Fame candidate. You agree, Ashley?
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think we've seen time and time again with the world with the, the Hall of Fame is that they really do like those titles. They like to see things like World Series winner. The ring really does make a huge difference in terms of of you know getting past that gate and into the hall. Um, I, I think Dusty's been a really tremendous story for the Astros because he's such a likable guy. Um, and I think people want to root for Dusty even when they don't want to root for the Astros, yes. which yeah. you really want to see him succeed. And I think... Like Chris said, he's really kind of stood up for that team, but not just in terms of how he's led them on the field. He has proven, I think, time and time again throughout the season to really stand up for them in press conferences when people are saying kind of snide remarks about, oh, maybe they're hitting so well in this game because they're cheating again, or, yeah. you know, maybe this or that. He won't stand for it. He's just like, you know, we're here because we're good. My guys are good players. They're, we're not going to listen to that. And I think that that's really shown that. You know, even though the Astros have kind of become the villain of MLB, they have a manager behind them who's come in after the fact and is willing to kind of stand up for those guys. And I think that speaks hugely of Dusty himself. And I, but unfortunately, do agree that I think he does need to have that ring to get into the Hall of Fame. Right.
1: I would agree with you guys and but he was really the manager they had to have uh following that scandal. I mean they yeah. he, they re- he, he he because you like you said he is so likable. He's like the friendliest nicest guy in Major League Baseball. Everybody universally loves Dusty Baker and it's almost impossible to root for him and so by extension you have to root for the Astros if you're rooting for Dusty Baker here. And so let's talk about how the Astros got here. Uh they beat the Red Sox in 6 games to reach their first World Series since way back in 2019. Um most of us were Gosh, I don't know. Still adults when it happened. Um, They uh, were down two to one in the series before winning the last three games. As we mentioned, Boston scored 25 runs in the first three games of that series, Uh, and then Astros pitching shut them down to three runs over the last three games. I saw an interesting stat. uh, I I don't remember if it was from MLB Stats. I think that's the Twitter handle. Um, They were comparing Houston's core to the Yankees core of the 2000s. Derek Jeter, Paul O'Neill, Tino Martinez, Bernie Williams played 71 games together. Houston's foursome of Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, and Yuli Gurriel have combined for 67 postseason games together, second most all time. Which, which, Ashley, to you, is the better, the better
0: foursome there? Oh my god, um, that's tough because I hate the Yankees. Um, I mean, it's really hard to to speak ill of a team that really accomplished what those guys did, but recency bias kind of has to tilt me towards the Astros because. They've been consistently good, not only in the regular season, but those guys maintain it in the postseason. And they've proven that time and time again because they've been in the postseason so much, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of ridiculous, actually, just how much they've made it into postseason baseball over the past four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um I, I got to go. I, I Oh, God, it pains me. This whole thing hurts me. It got to go with the Astros, I think. And there's probably, if I go and look at the stats, somebody's going to punch me on Twitter and be like, are you serious? Um, but no, I'll go with the Astros on this one.
1: Chris, what do you think? Well, I'm no fan
2: of the Yankees either. And, um, you know, the Braves were victims of, of some of those teams. So, But, uh, you know, it's a different. The numbers are elevated now for the Astros, but, you know, I've got to go with that Yankees group just because of the, the rings. I mean, they mm-hmm. won that core, won a lot of championships and uh, you know, they weren't my favorite team and I got tired of seeing them there. Um, but, you know, they were, they, they set the bar pretty high uh, for a, for what I consider like a, a dynasty, a group of guys that stuck together mm-hmm. and one year in year out.
1: Well, and, and that's the thing is like, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Yankees for me are the are the the more dynamic force Them simply because they did win more World Series together. But um, that, you know, we all look at that Yankees group as a dynasty. And I think that begs the question, are the Astros a dynasty? You know, even if they lose this World Series, are, are they a dynasty? And if they win, is it is it a lock for sure?
0: I don't think so. I think that what it comes down to is I, I think it's been a sensational team, and like I said, I it, they've accomplished so much, especially over the last five years, especially when you think of the projection they've gone on from coming to the AL and mm-hmm. you know starting out kind of as the underdogs that you would kind of tease like oh well, someday an Astros Cubs World Series aha, uh-huh. um, and I made that joke constantly, and then all, <laughs> then both of them won the World Series back to back years, um, but I, I think to win or to have that kind of concept of a dynasty to be a dynasty you have to do what the Yankees did and you have to win and win and win and win and I don't think we'll I don't know that we'll ever see that in baseball again the way that Mm -hmm. that kind of like late 90s you know Yankees team really just dominated everything Um, I think the Yankees fans are still coasting off of that 20 years later Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think without the wins people will forget how good these Astros were season after season because they didn't get the rings season after season. so But it, but
1: if they get it this year, that'll be two rings in the span of, what is it, five years?
0: Do we consider the Giants to be a dynasty because they have? I mean, nobody really talks Giants dynasty. And I think you'd have to have them in the same conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of flux in between seasons yeah. where they're not yeah. as good. And I think if it's just a matter of the rings in you know five years apart, I don't know. To me, that's not a dynasty.
1: See, see Chris, to me, I, I think it is because when we think back to that big red machine of the Cincinnati Reds in the 70s, I think we think of them as as a dynasty and they won two titles. I think if Houston gets a second title here and they will have played in, in I guess, uh, four, four three World Series uh, during during the span of the last five years, to me, that to me, that does it. Um, but I, this is such a subjective question. Uh, it, it really, really is no right or wrong answer. But Chris, what do you think? Um, I agree
2: with you. I, I think they're on the right path to be called a, a dynasty. Um, I think you got to get they've got to get the win this year. Uh, that'll give yeah. them two. Um, you know, you can look back at those the '90s Braves. I mean, there's still an argument whether you could consider that a, a dynasty. And they just didn't have enough. They didn't win the World Series enough. I mean, they were there. A lot. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's you've got to you've got to be in the postseason consistently and you've got to win. And um, even if there is, a, f- you've got to be in World Series and and um, be successful. And I think that's, you know, for me, the Yankees team's probably the last uh, true dynasty we've seen. And, uh, yeah. you know, but I do think the Astros would be on their way if they if they are able to uh, uh, pull this one out.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair, and and you're really you're right that Yankees team was the last dynasty that we've seen in, in Major League Baseball, and it just it depends on you know what kind of criteria that that you want to use. To me, dynasty is just kind of a feel thing. You know, the Giants don't feel like a dynasty despite three World Series and five seasons. I think because so much of those different teams were so different from one another. I think the thing you get about a dynasty is it's kind of the same players year in and year out, whereas. Uh, that's why I would lean towards yes with the Astros, especially if they win this year because of the core that's been there. It's been a lot of those same guys. But um, I wonder, too, if the cheating scandal factors into that, because I know there's a strong, a large segment of the population that doesn't really feel like the 2017 World Series was legitimate. So, what Ashley, what does a World Series win for the Astros this year mean for the whole scandal? Does it change anything? Does it make any comments? Does it legitimize any feelings Astros fans have had?
0: I think for Astros fans, it would very much feel like you see they are good enough. They are that good of a team. Because I don't think that the core Astros fans ever felt any differently. I think when things came out in 2017, they were like, look, it was something that happened and yeah, that sucks. Let's never talk about it again. And obviously we've continued to talk about it for four years. Um, and it, it is still definitely, I think on the back of most people's minds when they talk about the Astros, because it is that same core group of guys and none of those guys received any kind of punishment aside from, you know, kind of public sentiment. Surrounding them
1: like the shame going through the courtyard, the the bringing of the bell inflatable
0: garbage cans getting tossed onto the field and to this day would still love to know how people got those into the stadiums, but (laughs) I digress. I think that for anybody who isn't an Astros fan that is still lurk at the back of the minds of everybody. Um, I don't think that that's not saying they're doing anything this season. I want to make that really clear. There's nothing going on. Obviously there's a lot of things in place to keep that from happening now, no matter what people want to say. I think the other thing we have to remember is that while the Astros got caught and they were doing it in a really dumb way, it's pretty much common knowledge that cheating and sign stealing is something that happens across the board. The Red Sox had it kind of their yeah. own version of it and had to like, you know, pay their dividends. And nobody talks about the Red Sox scandal whatsoever. And it was almost the same thing on a lesser scale. But I I think that the Houston's going to have to work to get out from under that. And I think that anybody that would say that this isn't a legitimate win, if they win is just kind of sour grapesing it. But I think there's no way to get away from discussion of that 2017, but I don't think it was an invalid win. I think, yeah, they did kind of a shady thing during the season and I'm, I haven't liked them much since, even though I really cheered for them that season because I wanted Verlander to get his ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what they've done, though, is set out to prove themselves consistently since then. To be like, yeah, okay, so we did this and it wasn't great, but we are still great baseball players and we play great, great games. And they've won and won and won since then, just not at the World Series level. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. I mean, it's not to say, and, and I'm so sorry for doing this to Chris. It's not to say that the Braves aren't without their own scandals. Right. I mean, there was the international signing issue. There's obviously, you know, nonstop discussion of the chop and why that's still a thing. So neither team is really without kind of the slightest bit of mm-hmm. bad, you know, history on their side. Um, But yeah, it's, it's interesting for the Astros because they, they deserve to be where they are Um but their history is kind of going to taint them no matter what.
1: Hey, Chris, what do you think? I mean, does it, does it change anything about 2017, the cheating scandal if they do go on to win this year?
2: I think it helps validate that core a little bit because there were a lot of people, there was a lot of talk, like these guys aren't going to be good. And then they struggled a little bit coming out right after, uh, right after it all came out, made you, made it look like maybe, you know, they were relying on it heavily. Um, but i think it validates them but i do think it hurts them in that dynasty talk we we um we had, just had because there's a lot of people that will never look at never accept that world series result um yeah. and will will never um you know it will never consider it'll, it won't be part of the equation when they're talking about you know how this roster performed over those years but uh um you know i'm i'm tired of hearing about it honestly um <laughs> i didn't like it i think they took it and ran I think they were, you know, I mean, you're banging on trash cans where everybody can hear it. That's one thing, but I do feel like they weren't the only team. They're probably still yeah. not the only team. You know, they're still if these guys, these teams are going to push the envelope always. And, um, you know, I think they were obviously they were, uh, the league made an example out of them to discourage yeah. this future. So, you know, I'm uh, that's something I really hope we don't hear a whole lot about in this series, but I'm sure we will.
1: So we'll step away, take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how the Braves got here um, because it's a very interesting path that the Braves took and uh, lots of storylines from that. Plus, we will give our predictions for the Fall Classic coming up this week. So stick around. We'll be right back with more of the SB Nation World Series preview presented by T-Mobile. And welcome back to the SB Nation World Series Preview presented by T-Mobile. I'm John Stolnes, joined by Chris Willis of Talking Chop and Ashley McLennan from D-Rays Bay. Bleed Cubbies Blue. Bless you, boys. We are breaking down the Fall Classic, which gets underway this week. And uh, we're going to talk about how the Atlanta Braves got to the Fall Classic. Again, beating the Dodgers in six games to reach their first World Series since 1999. They went 88-73 and and won the National League East this year. Uh, And like Chris mentioned, it, it, it was important to remember that the Braves did not have a winning record until August of this year. This is an incredible stat. They went their first 111 games this year before crossing the 500 mark. That is by far the most of any team who has ever won the pennant. The 1914 Braves are the next closest at 91 games. And then you've got the 79 Pirates at 43 And the 85 Cardinals at 41. So pretty incredible late season run that the Atlanta Braves went on. And they played in a division where um, they didn't have a whole lot of uh, really strong competition there at the end of the season. But, Chris, as you mentioned, really caught fire uh, towards the end of the season here. And how did they do it? I guess that's the big question. How did they catch fire for for folks who are not, you know, fans of teams that played them a lot this year? Unlike me, I know how they did it. But how did the Atlanta Braves manage to really right the ship without Ronald Acuna Jr.?
2: Well, I think the trade deadline was obviously huge, uh, but that was just a part of it, too. Um, Freddie Freeman got off to a really slow start. Um Ozzie Albies, a, a lot of the team, a lot of the regulars, um, you know, were off to slow starts. Once the trade deadline passed, they got Jock Peterson. They got Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, um, added those guys to the mix, got Travis Darno back from injury. He missed three months with, a, with a, ha- a thumb injury. You know, once they got those guys back in there and that lineup started being um, con- more consistent, um, they all started performing and they got they got red hot the pitching came around the bullpen kind uh solidified and and they got on a roll there was that road trip um i think it was in august uh late August or early september where they went on the road and they played a, uh, they played the orioles the marlins and um um the nationals and it was one of those trips where they just absolutely had to win and you know those are even though you're playing lesser competition, it's hard to go out and win every single day. And they, they won nine straight after, you know, not being able to string anything together. And that just kind of set them on their way. And, um, they really haven't looked back a whole lot. They had a diff- two difficult West coast trips, uh, down uh, over the final two months. Um, you know, they pretty much held that up with playing the giants Padres, uh, especially and. uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they just kind of rolled themselves into the, into the postseason. I think one good thing is in, in the past uh, for a lot of these Braves teams, we've seen them clinch early and spend the last two weeks just kind of fumbling around and going through the motions. This team had to play all the way to the final week. They had that, that key series with the Phillies, um, where they clinched. They had one, you know, one, I think it was three games with the Mets that didn't mean anything to get ready. And then they rolled straight into the postseason. And I think that's, that's played a huge part in their, in the momentum they've built up.
1: Yeah. And Ashley, how surprised were you that the Braves were actually able to take that momentum and really take it to the Dodgers in that, in that NLCS? I mean, I know the Dodgers had some issues with, with injuries, but I mean, that's still a 106 win team that the Atlanta Braves and 88 win team took out. It's a huge upset.
0: Absolutely. I was kind of shocked. Um, I think what we saw was some surprising struggles from the Dodgers pitching. Um, I really think that that just nobody could have expected kind of that implosion of of the pitching that went on with the Dodgers. And obviously, the Braves were able to really take advantage of that, that they had strong pitching of their own to balance it out, which I think, had they not, then the Dodgers really could have kind of taken them to town. Um, cause obviously they're a very offensively strong team. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it was just like we've said before, like small series and everything going right for one team and everything kind of going wrong for another. Um, and that is something that you see in the postseason. <laughs> like it's just yeah. one of those things that I don't think, I don't think most people predicting the World Series, what it would come down to would have said that the Braves would get past the Giants or the Dodgers, right? Like, however that one went, you're like, no, no, that's <laughs> not going to be how that works. Um, and lo and behold, they're surprising everybody. And I think that that's just kind of the beauty of postseason baseball is that it, it's kind of stopped being what it was originally. Like, back in the day, it was best record versus best record. There's the World Series whoever wins is the best team in baseball. Now it's really like how adaptable is your team and how yeah. can you learn to play in different scenarios and how good are you over the short term? Um, and I think we're seeing teams that are great over the long run getting crushed. Like every team that had over a hundred wins this season is no longer here. Yeah. And I think that that kind of speaks to the resilience of the teams that are left and the Braves have kind of proven themselves to be that over the course of the entire season. Um, coming back from really serious injury and like really building themselves up in unexpected ways. And um, while I am surprised that they are the ones here for the world series, I'm not surprised as to why.
1: And I do want to talk about that trade deadline, Chris, because really what Alex Anthopoulos did, I thought was, was um, I don't know if I'd say he pushed his chips into the middle, you know, he didn't go out and add the superstars, but he, he, he went to, he went to Walmart and he, he did some bulk purchase. You know what I mean? Like he went and he got, um, he went and got Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario. Um, I'm blanking on the fourth guy now. That the Adam DuBall. Adam Dubal, thank you. Um, and Eddie and Eddie Rosario has an NLCS for the ages. I mean, he he set the tied the record for, for most hits in his series, uh, set the record for mo, uh, batting average on base percentage, uh, slugging percentage, OPS for 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 a nationally championship series. I mean, just what an unbelievable series that he had. But there's no way that Anthopolis could have known that those guys, especially Rosario here in the postseason, and I know, um, you know a couple other guys had some really big moments as well. Jock Peterson in the NLDS against the Brewers had some big home runs. He couldn't, he couldn't have predicted that he would get that kind of production out of those guys.
2: No, I think you're right. And, um, you know, and I've got my own uh, suspicions about kind of what the plan was when he acquired them. But I think he just looked at his team, and they needed depth. Uh, mm-hmm. as much as anything he went out and got four guys and they were going to play the three that were playing well and the fourth guy was going to make their bench better i mean this was a team you know no offense to any of the guys that were trying to fill in after uh after the braves uh the out- outfield was decimated but um you know they just weren't they weren't running out major league caliber uh options in the corners and yeah. uh especially after acuna left you know what i mean um So it it was it was amazing. And Eddie Rosario was kind of the afterthought. He was on the injured list when they acquired him. There wasn't even they weren't even certain that how much of of an impact he would have at the at the when he was acquired. And when he first was activated, um, you know, it looked like he was going to be the bench guy. And you know, a week later he's starting and Jock Peterson's Jock Peterson's now the bench guy and, and Rosario's he started hitting and he's never stopped. And that's kind of where it's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, and I think you know, that's one thing about the World Series with the DH coming back, the Braves are gonna be able to put all four of these guys in the lineup, you know, which should should help them. So it it's been it was crazy and the 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 most um I think the most unbelievable thing out of all of it is Austin Topless didn't push any of his prospects in and and trade them. I mean, you know, I think the highest ranked prospect might have been uh, Bryce Ball, who went to the Cubs, um, and he was a a back-end top 30 uh, for some publications. So, you know, it wasn't like he was going out and trading his best prospects for, a, a you know, a shot in the dark that they would get hot and, uh, and get get to the postseason. Um, right. You know, but he he did a good job supplementing the roster and and, and everybody else got to roll.
1: It's incredible. He had a 685 OPS in 78 games with Cleveland before the trade and then a 903 OPS with Atlanta um, in the regular season after the trade. And then, of course, we see what he's done in in the postseason here. And, you know, Ashley, I think, you know, we're looking too at a Braves team here that also has a little bit of demons to exercise. Getting back to the World Series is obviously huge. You know, the first time back since since 1999, they hadn't been to a World Series with a two at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, So it's a pretty big deal. But, you know, they had even going back further than that, 13 straight NLEs titles in the 90s and 2000s, They won the World Series in 95 after losing in 91 and 92, falling short in the NLCS in 93. Since 95, they've been to the playoffs 16 times without winning another title. So it's not like they haven't had their chances. How much would a title this year erase those past failures?
0: I think it would be huge for them this year, especially after coming so close last year. Um, And I think... You know that we we talk about kind of wins with asterisks on them, and I think a yeah. lot of people thought 2020 was going to be one of those seasons. But I don't think anybody has taken the win that the Dodgers had away. I think it feels valid. That was a crazy World Series, and you know that the Braves would have wanted to be there. Um, and I, I think for a team that hasn't won since 1995, hasn't been since 1999, I I think there's a, a level of hunger there that probably doesn't exist for the Astros who have definitely want it. They mm-hmm. but they've been in the postseason so consistently. They've been to the World Series twice before this in the last, you know, five years. Um I think that the Braves are really gung-ho to prove themselves and to prove that they are a team that deserves wins because they've been so close so often. Um, it'll be like when we finally get to see the Pirates in a postseason like a real (laughs) postseason push like you just know that they're just going to like call for it kind of the way the Cubs did in in 2016 Um, obviously not that long of a drought but there's, there's teams where you really feel that they've really, they're just hungry for it. And I think that that's what this Braves team is because you've got those guys that have been around for a while. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, Freddie Freeman still feels young to me because I, I feel like relatively old in comparison, Um, but he's been around for a long time. Yeah, and has. I think for Freeman, who's had such a sensational career, this would just be like that icing yeah. um, to really prove that he's, you know, accomplished as much as he has in his career. And I think he could kind of like, Feel good about himself <laughs> at yeah. that point, and I think that that's really I I think where his career has been been pushing for him. So yeah, I I think this just really would be a great moment for them.
1: And Chris, as a Braves fan, I got to throw that question your way because you obviously, as a Braves fan, have all of those all of those times in the playoffs where uh, they've come up short, and and to have that really the Bra- that Braves run was a dynasty, just without without the World Series. It, I would imagine it might feel a little weird to have like a, it'd be like a pop-up world series as opposed to missing it after all those years in a row of making the post season.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Um, You know, I, I, I kind of considered this group. I look at them independently of that, those teams of the nineties, you know, brace fans went through a, a brutal rebuild, Um, you know, and, and it was something they weren't used to at all. And, mm-hmm. and this team, they've watched this team come up through the minor leagues. Um You know, Freddie Freeman's kind of been the rock of that group, but, you know, everybody else is pretty much uh, young, the young core that they've uh, touted through this throughout the rebuild. And um, they've been to the postseason four times. They've moved, set the bar a little bit higher every time. Got to the NLCS last year, blew a 3-1 lead, you know, broke through that this year. Now they're in the World Series. Um, I saw more excitement at Truist Park the other night than I had seen since the early 90s. Uh, since 95, even even may have been 91, 92, when it was just mm-hmm. they took everybody everybody by storm. Um, you know, it was, it's such a great feeling. I hadn't felt that in a long time. And, um, you know, I feel like, you know, they that's kind of what they, they expect. They think this is that new group, 90s group, the one that's going to be in the playoffs year after year. And they're built, you know, they're built for that um, in a lot of ways. So, You know, it would be huge for this uh, for them to cash it in this this year when nobody, everybody had pretty much written them off. Um, You know, I still think they're playing with no pressure; Mm -hmm. they're having fun, and that's not something that I think when you go to the playoffs as many times as the Braves did in the '90s, that was an underrated part of it. Um, There was pressure on them to win; everybody expected them to win, and then they didn't. And um, you know, it kind of uh, it uh, was—I don't know—it kind of got. normal and and the narrative was set, set and uh, uh so you know this Braves team's kind of surprised everybody uh, with that uh from that aspect
1: well, I mean, and we forget four straight National League East titles for the Braves. This is quite a this is not a I said a pop up World Series. This has been a build, right? I mean, this has been we went from a rebuild and you you win four straight division titles. They've been progressing pretty much each and every year. And now they've reached the fall classic. Um, so it is a it, you know, these were steps that were taken to get here. This wasn't kind of just a I think it feels more like a pop up because they did struggle for so much of the mm-hmm. season and then went on that that late season run. Um in the little bit of time we have left here, let's just kind of talk about who has the edge in this series. Let's quickly look at the rotation uh, for both teams. For the Astros, Lance McCullers will not pitch in the World Series. So they're going to have Charlie Morton. Um, I'm sorry, nothing of Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, and uh, maybe Zach Greinke bullpen game uh, when it comes down to it. That's not necessarily the order they're going to go into. We do know Framber Valdez will start game one, but after that, we're not sure. Uh, the Atlanta Braves have Charlie Morton, obviously an, an incredible postseason. Uh, pedigree going against the team that he pitched the last out for, for their last world series title. Um, max Fried, who's a great left young left-hander for Atlanta, Ian Anderson. And then really they have just three starters, right? Chris, I mean, they're, they're really gonna, they're struggling to kind of come up with a fourth starter. You're looking at a bullpen game, probably in game four, correct?
2: Yeah, no doubt. It'll be a bullpen game. Um, Drew Smiley may throw multiple innings, uh, but with Oscar, you know, uh, uh getting injured in the NLCS, uh, you know, he's not he won't be on. He's not eligible for the World Series roster. So, um, you know, it'll be a bullpen game in, uh in game four. And, you know, the Braves have made it work. Three starters. Um, You know, and they've seen some short outings from even from uh, Ian Anderson and and Max Reed, and they still made it work. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a it's been a it's it's weird seeing that bullpen game listed up there. And it's not just one (laughs) team doing it anymore. It's like every team, Uh, you know, you kind of wonder where all the starting pitchers went. Uh, But I think it's just a new new way of uh, of looking at things.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, the innings jump from last year to this year may have uh, had some kind of factor, but it is amazing how many teams have had to go to bullpen games or chosen to go to bullpen games Mm -hmm. because there's just no confidence in your number four starter to pitch well for you in a postseason game. Ashley, uh, starting rotation edge at Houston or Atlanta?
0: Oh, I got to say, I think Atlanta's got the pitching edge here. Um, I think, you know, Houston's had a reliable core of pitchers, and most of those guys, with the exception of McCullers, are obviously making it in – the, you know their world series appearances but i think generally speaking the leg up here across the postseason has been the braves pitching
1: and so now we look at the uh, the bullpens and obviously like you just mentioned chris and we were just talking about bullpen games are all the rage now in, in the major league postseason but really these two teams have relied on their bullpens tremendously uh to get this far and I know for Atlanta, Tyler Matzik has just been a, an absolute workhorse for them. But you've also got guys like AJ Minter and and Will Smith. I mean, Ashley, is there? I don't even know how can is there a favorite as far as bullpens go here? They both just seem like they're so deep.
0: I think they're like it's it's going to be pretty close. I think that the Braves bullpen has really like proven their worth so far and just done sensational things. Um, And, I mean, I, I hate to keep hyping the Braves pitching because I'm supposed to be on here repping, repping the AL in some capacity, but I've just been really impressed with what they've accomplished. Um, And I that's not to say that the Astros have kind of fumbled. They have really strong relievers who have served them very well, especially through that series with the Red Sox. Um, I, th- I think we talk a lot about the, the idea of bullpen games kind of being this new thing, and I don't know that in the postseason it really is. I think in the postseason, what we've seen time and time again is teams willing to do just about anything in terms Mm -hmm. of what they do with their pitchers. And especially when you you get into the series and you're at game four, game five, anybody is fair game to pitch in those particular kind of circumstances. And I think teams have often pulled very unique things in the postseason in terms of what they're willing to do with their pitching staff. And I, I think we'll see some standard bullpen use but i think we're gonna see some weird stuff too i feel like Mm -hmm. um just generally speaking um but i i feel like the the uh, braves have the edge in terms of pitching yeah
1: chris i feel like in in the past uh, the the pitching decisions have always been you know you do have the occasional bullpen game but a lot of times it was do i start my game one starter on short rest in game four or do i use my game four starter and cross my fingers you know and now they're just i think we're seeing teams not willing to have to make that choice because bullpen pitchers are so much more effective right now. They, they throw harder, their stuff's nastier. And so, um, I know both of those things are true for Houston and for Atlanta. Who has the bullpen edge for you?
2: Uh, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm going to tell you, I would say Atlanta right now, just because mm. of how they've pitched in the postseason. Um, the bullpen was up and down all season, but you know, Tyler matic I mean, he, you guys mentioned him. Uh, he just goes out, he pitches every day. He strikes, Everybody out that he faces just about. I mean, that spot he got out of in, in game six in LCS, he comes in second, third, nobody out. Um, tie and run at second, go ahead, run at home and strikes out the side. Mookie bets mm-hmm. is the third out, you know, and only and did it in 11 pitches. I mean, he is just, he is in a groove, uh, right now that we haven't seen. Uh, he's been good the last two seasons, but he's at another level right now. And I think AJ Minner's is a guy the braves need to lean on a little bit more. I just think they've got a lot, a lot of good options down there in the in the back end of that bullpen right now. And Will Smith's probably thrown as best, as good as he has all season uh, in the postseason too. So, um, I think it's a slim edge, but I, I think the Braves have the edge right now.
1: All right, because let me throw the lineups at you. Who has the better lineup right now, Atlanta or Houston?
2: You got to go with Houston. I mean, they're scoring a ton of runs. Um, you know, I think the Braves, Braves score runs when they have to. It's <laughs> kind yeah. of the way I look <laughs> at it. But, um, this Astros lineup scary. And, uh, Jordan, Jordan Alvarez, Altuve, Alex Bregman, there's all kinds of people up and down that can beat you. Um, you know, they, I was looking today, I mean, uh, Yuli Guriel, you know, those are guys you don't want to see coming up with right. men on base. Um, so, you know, I think they've got the scary offense and, and the Braves have the, have the edge at pitching and it's just going to come down to, which which
1: wins, Ashley? How about you? Oh,
0: I gotta go the same. the The Astros have one of the scariest offensive mm-hmm. lineups, and it's it, that's where it balances out really interestingly because, like, like we said, the the Astros have your Michael Brantley's, your Carlos Correa's, and when Carlos Correa isn't even the one hitting the best in the postseason, I think that that's really an intimidating thing to look at. Like, he's still doing tremendously well. Like, you got lots of guys here that have had 10, 11 hits over the course of the postseason. Um, But I think that's what makes this such an interesting matchup is that you have this really offensively heavy team and a really strong pitching core. And Mm -hmm. I think rather than like, you know, the classic, you know, pitchers duel that we might end up seeing, it's really going to turn out to be just like who's pitching is like pitching versus hitting and who kind of does it better. And I think that makes this such a really interesting matchup.
1: And real quickly, let's go over the managers. We talked a lot about Dusty Baker. We have not said a word about Brian Snicker. What a job he's done. Four straight NLEs titles. He's almost an afterthought in this series. But two old school guys. These are not like the new school um, sabermetrically inclined guys. These are, the, these are like two old school guys who are meeting in the fall classic. Uh, is there actually a managerial edge one way or the other from your, from where you sit?
0: I I don't know. I don't think so, really. I think these are guys that manage their teams in a way that has led them to success. Um, I I don't think that Dusty is going to be like having a leg up just because he really wants that ring. I think Brian yeah. wants one too. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think that the drive and the motivation for them is the same. I think the only edge I can see is that Brian knows his team longer and probably better in the long run and kind of knows the ins and outs of those core guys maybe a little bit better because he's been around um, and Dusty's this first season, um, you know, kind of doing things that Dusty does. Um, is it his first season? No, I, feel like I think I'm it's season two, up. isn't season it? Season two. Thank you. Yeah, yes. 2020 just doesn't feel like it was a year. I'm like, no, this isn't his first season, but you know, 60 game season plus a regular, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know that that's long enough to have that same established kind of core understanding of what you can get out of guys in a pinch. Um, That's the only place I can see there being any kind of real edge. Mm
1: -hmm. How about you, Chris?
2: Yeah. I I, I see two very similar managers, honestly. Uh, I mean, at at times they're, they've both been questioned for, uh, you know, tactics uh, in games But both of them have the respect to their players. They, um, you know, and that's one. That's a that's a very valuable trait for any manager to have. I will say this, you know, neither come off as as being very analytically minded. But I've been really surprised by Brian Snicker over the last few years, especially since Alex Anthopoulos took over. The Braves shift a ton now. They went from a team that didn't shift at all. You know, he you will see him point a little bit more to the analytics. He's not just going to go out and and. He, he will go with his gut. Um, but I do think the numbers play a part. Um, I think the Braves have done a good job of melding the two, the analytic side and, uh, you know, the more traditional side into a, a combination that has worked really well for them. Um, uh, but you know, I think both managers, you know, they, they, they're both very well respected. And, um, you know, and I think, yeah, I don't think there's an edge either way.
1: All right. Well, listen. It's that time in the podcast where we break uh, break it all down and, and give you some predictions here. So, Chris, as a, as as a writer for the fran- for one of the franchises that are playing in this fall classic, I will turn to you first. Who wins the twenty twenty one World Series?
2: I'm gonna say the same thing I said in NLCS. I the brave. I'm gonna go with the Braves in six, and I don't know how in the world they get there. Uh, I said Do- <laughs> Braves in seven against the Dodgers, and I I don't know. I didn't have a real good reason for that other than just this team won't quit. Um, you know, they've overcome every obstacle that's been placed before them. They're having fun. You know, most teams it would, would, uh, shrink in the moment. But, you know, this team, I think they love the spotlight. And, uh, yeah. I think as the, pre- they'll put the pressure on the Astros and, um, you know, they'll, they'll come out on top. But I'll say Braves in six. I think they'll win it on the road, which is, um, You know, probably
1: untraditional. (laughs) Why not, though? Why not? Baseball is untraditional nowadays. Ashley, your prediction?
0: I'm going to go Braves in seven just because I want the max max amount of baseball humanly possible, but also picking them to win it on the road, so...
1: I am surprised. I'm very surprised. You, I'm not surprised Chris went with the Braves um, just because he's gotten a chance to see them all season long and has understood kind of the specialness of the season. Um, I'm going with Houston. I'm taking Houston in six. Uh, this is nothing against nothing about me being a Phillies fan rooting against the the Atlanta Braves. I think Houston is just on such a roll offensively right now. And I, I do. I actually think Houston has the has a a, a decent chance to match up really well starting pitching wise against Atlanta's offense and I think the experience of having been in so many fall classics before is really going to help Houston in this series and so I think Houston will win it at home in game six but I do think it'll be a really good series it should be a lot of fun Um, folks listen make sure that you are following all of us on Twitter during the course of the next week and a half as we will take you through the fall classic again Chris Willis read everything that he's doing over at Talking Chop and follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Willis and uh, follow Ashley McLennan at 90 feet from home on Twitter. She writes for D-Rays Bay, Bleed Cubbies Blue. Bless you boys. Uh, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness and uh, we'll be covering it for you at The Good Fight as well. Uh, folks, enjoy the fall classic this week. And uh, oh, and I should probably mention, uh, make sure to check out uh, all the Houston Astros content you could possibly want on the Astros SB Nation site, the Crawfish Boxes. So thanks everybody for tuning in to the SB Nation World Series Preview presented by T-Mobile.